we are continuing in worship, looking at a new series going through the book of Ecclesiastes. And so I'm excited to preach through. It's a book I've wanted to preach through for a long time. And as we do with each new series, we, we, I've created, we've got this study booklet that will um, you can bring home and it'll help kind of lead you through each sermon. It has extra, um, extra scripture passages to look at, some questions to think about. So these are available over there um, by the other pulpit. Um, I've got about 20 copies made, so like one per family. And I'll make some more when we run out. We also have digital copies that we emailed out last night as well. So if you want to take your Bibles, if you've got them with you, um, open up to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1. That's where we start, in the beginning. And uh, before we come to God's Word, let's take a moment to ask Him to bless this time in His Word. Father, again, we we come before you and we give you thanks for being our God. And in particular right now, as we come to your word, we thank you for being a God who speaks to us. Not a God far away and who ignores us, but a God who has given us his very word and speaks directly to us. And so we pray that you would bless this time in your word, Lord. Anything that may distract us as we're outside, Lord, remove that so that we can focus and that we can hear you clearly. Any anxieties that we feel or frustrations or anger that we're feeling, Lord, anything that would help hinder us from hearing you speak, Lord, remove it and speak clearly to us this morning, we pray. We pray that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. So Ecclesiastes, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they will return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. But what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, Look, this is something new. It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. This is the word of the Lord. We live in a time where there's a lot of people asking the question, why? And when I talk about a time, I'm not talking about even the last few months of this pandemic. I'm talking about the last 20 years 
I would say as a, as a youth pastor, one of the questions I got asked repeatedly over the last 15 years was, why have school shootings increased exponentially? Why do you think that's going on? Because it just kept going on, going up and up and up. Or as a youth pastor who had to deal with multiple, multiple suicides, why have the suicide rates kept increasing over the last 20 years? Or even right now, in the midst of our current pandemic and, and uh, riots and unjust killings, people are saying, why? why? Why are people responding and rioting? Why are there all these unjust killings? Why? Why? Why is our country in chaos? I've been thinking a lot about it over the years. Um, I think part of it, we're experiencing one of Jesus' parables from Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Jesus said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, but it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Or to connect it with the Old Testament, we're experiencing the book of Judges. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. And as Larry reminded us a few weeks ago, they did what was right. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And it's been for the last, not even just generation, but a couple of generations since I was even in school, we've been teaching that there's no God. Increasingly teaching there is no God. Stop living as if there is a God. We've been teaching generations that they are nothing more than random chaos that evolved over time. We've been teaching that order just comes out of chaos. We've been teaching that there's no absolute truth, no absolute morality, because there's no standard, there's no creator, and there's no God. Jesus said that's all foundations of sand. Foundations that, when the waves come, are going to result in things crashing loudly. That's what the book of Ecclesiastes is about. We would think that it's maybe not a very relevant book because it was written, you know, thousands of years ago, and yet it was written in a time that was almost identical to our own, a time of great wealth, a time of great prosperity and comfort and uh, just feeling good about everything, um, but a rejection of God. They thought they were good. They thought they were happy. They thought they were at the epitome of history and progress. And so the author of Ecclesiastes says, I want to take a moment and I want to step into your worldview without God. Take a walk around, look and see what happens when you reject God. What does life look like when you reject God? And he says, 
It's all meaningless then. He says, I look around at a world without God and I say, meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all of the labor at which they toil under the sun? And as we go through this book, you're going to hear that phrase over and over and over again, under the sun. And that's telling you he's referencing a a worldview without God. There's nothing beyond the sun. What you see is what you get. And a worldview that rejects God and says all you see is what you get is re- results in meaninglessness. It's pointless. And that's where we're at as a culture. We reject God and our lives become meaningless and the lives of people around us become meaningless. That's why we see school shootings increase. That's why we see suicide increase. That's why we see unjust deaths. That's why we see rioting. Because it's all meaningless. We're we're nothing more than just nature. We're no better than the plants and the animals or the grass or the trees. Except for we're just more fragile. The author says... In verse 4, generations come, generation goes, but at least the earth remains forever, right? I mean, you can walk around Beaver Dam and in the area around Beaver Dam, and you're going to find trees that are twice the age of our country. I mean, that's how futile our life is in this world. We're nothing. We're lucky to get a century. Some of these trees around here that we can probably see from here are over a century old. Life is short. What's the point of it all if it's so fleeting? He says, even in this worldview, when you, when you reject God, this worldview says that the sun... The sun shows the meaningless of life. The sun rises, he says in verse 5. The sun rises and the sun sets, and then it hurries back to where it rises. Sun comes up, goes across, comes down, comes up, does the same thing over and over and over and over again. It's all pointless. You ever felt that way with work? I get up in the morning, I go to work, I come home, I go to bed just to get up again the next morning. And the author says, from this worldview, you just like the sun. What's the point of it all? He says the wind, the wind has some more freedom, right? He says the wind, it comes from the south, it comes from the north, but then it just kind of goes round and round and round and keeps going on its course. The wind has some more freedom. It's not stuck coming up in the east and going down in the west. The wind can kind of go wherever it wants to, but in the end, the wind just spins round and round and round pointlessly. Almost like someone who decides, I'm going to throw off the shackles of work because I'm sick of the nine-to-five grind, and they have all the freedom in the world, and yet find themselves wandering around without no point or purpose in the world. He says, it's just like the wind. What's the point? He says, at least, at least the rivers look productive. He says, the rivers, they're always on the move. They're always doing something. You know, all the streams, he says in verse 7, all streams flow into the sea. But the sea is never full. And to the place where the streams come from, there they just return again. The water goes into the ocean. It comes back and comes. And, and the water, even though they look productive, they look like they're accomplishing something. They look like they're doing things. Nothing's getting done. 
I worked in a factory for a long time on an assembly line. I remember that feeling. The parts just keep coming. I keep working. I keep doing it. I keep I'm going as fast as I can, and the parts just keep coming. That seems endless. The water keeps running, and nothing ends up being full. What's the point? And so he concludes, everything's weariness. More than one can say. The eye never sees, never has enough. The ear never is full. And so he points back to the question he asks in verse 3. He says, what do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? What's the point of it? Why? What's the point of all of this? If, why are we working so hard and running so crazy? And the reality is, even when we reject God, we know that we need meaning and purpose in life. We know we need it. God's, God's put it there. That there, We know deep down inside, whether our worldview acknowledges it or not, that we need meaning and purpose. And so what happens is when we reject all of that, we try to create our own meaning and purpose. And so um, I talk to people over the years, and they're trying to figure out meaning and purpose in their work. And they say, well, the reason I find meaning and purpose in my work because I'm... I'm helping towards progress. I'm helping, I'm helping the human race progress and build and, and evolve. But the author of the book says, well, if you think about it, what has been, it'll be again. What's been done, it'll be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything, anything in the world where someone can say, look, that's new? He says, it was already here a long time ago. It was here before our time. Progress isn't, you you can't find meaning and purpose in progress because there really is nothing new under the sun. Even, Even when we take a moment back, we're in the midst of this crazy pandemic. And it seems so new to us, and it's so crazy, and we're trying to figure out how to live in the midst of this. But if you take a moment and step back and start looking back over history, it's happened over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. We're not the first people in the history of the earth to have to go through this kind of a thing. There's nothing new under the sun. And so if you want to find meaning in your work through thinking that you're helping the human race progress, you're not. There's no meaning there. So then, so then people say, well, I'm going to find meaning in my work. I'm going to create a legacy. Um, and even this week, I heard a Christian uh, homeschool organization uh, commercial, and they said something like, no one on their deathbed says, I wish I would have worked more. I wish I would have made more money. They all say, I wish I would have left a legacy. And I went, really? Because this author says, no one remembers the former generations, right? Even those yet to come will not be remembered by those that follow them. Just just last night, I had a, one of my relatives come over, and uh, we were talking about the church, and, and she said, did you know that my dad was uh, an elder at Alto CRC and helped get your church started? No. I had no idea. That's kind of cool. Kind of circle comes round about, doesn't it? But did his legacy, did we remember it? No. I even... <laughs> 
don't take this in the wrong political way, but I was just thinking, like, think about Christopher Columbus right now. Like, if he would have been going for a legacy, boy, his statues are getting ripped down all over the place. His legacy is disappearing. A generation rose up and said... We're done, right? Every day buildings come down, statues come down that were a legacy to someone. There's no meaning nor purpose there. So then, it's kind of a downer message, isn't it? We'll get there. So then what, what people say is, I'm, I'm looking for meaning and purpose in my work, but, but work stinks. But I like to have fun. But I need money to have fun. So the purpose of my work is I, 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 I want to do what I want to do, and I need money to do that, so I work. That's the purpose of my work. So I, just, I work so I can make money, so I can do the things that I want to do. That's, that's why I work. That's how I find my meaning. But we all know... My dad taught me this from a young age, and I said, you're just a pessimist. But he's right. The more things you have, the more money it takes to fix those darn things. And everything's, and take it from a farmer, right? Everything is breaking all the time. Everything's fading away. And so the more stuff you buy to have fun with, guess what? The more money it takes to, to do that, the more work you have to do to care for the things, the less time you have to do the things that you want to do. So, okay, you broke free from the 9-to-5 grind, but now you're trapped in another cycle of trying to fund your pleasure, which you'll never have enough of, and you'll never have enough time to do what you want to do. So there's no meaning in that. So are you uplifted and encouraged? <laughs> That's the point of this book. I mean, some people have said Ecclesiastes is like, this shouldn't be in the Bible. It's so pessimistic. And, and, but the reality of what the author is doing, he's coming into our lives and all of the idols that we've had, and he's hacking away at them with a machete. You see this idol that you're worshiping? You're, you're finding meaning and purpose and comfort in? Let me come in and show you that it's all garbage. Boom. See this other idol over here that you're following and you're finding comfort in? Let me come in and show you it's not there. He's not messing around and he's not talking, looking through rose-colored glasses. He's telling us a truth that has been over and over and over spoken throughout the Old Testament. Here's one verse. Jeremiah 2, verse 5. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed away from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. And actually the word worthless is the same word as meaningless in our... And so he says, the God says, they walked away from me and they followed meaningless pursuits. And then they became meaningless themselves. They lost all sense of purpose and meaning. And I really think one of the things we need to be learning in the midst of this pandemic, I can't tell you why God's doing this. I, that, I'm not trying to answer that question. But something we can learn, something we are being forced to learn, are all of the idols that we've grabbed hold of within and without the church. All these things keep getting taken away and removed and changed and made difficult. All of these things that we've put comfort and hope and peace in that really give us no meaning or purpose. And now they're being taken away and we wonder, why do I feel a little lost? Why do I feel a little confused? Why do I even question meaning in all of this? Right? People are saying, 
what's the point of all of this if it all can be taken away by some puny little virus? Right? People's whole life fortunes have disappeared because businesses have gone under because of a virus. What's the point of it all? Right? Because we put our hope and meaning and purpose in the wrong things. And even Christians are realizing that, that, that we, are, we have maybe started to drift away and follow and trust in certain idols. And Ecclesiastes says, you go down that route, the further you get away from God, the further you begin to go down the route of worshiping idols, the more meaningless and purposeless your life becomes. Because there's nothing beyond this life. Everything you see is what you get, and it's all fading away, and it's all vanishing. But the goal isn't to sit and wallow in it. We know that there's meaning and purpose in the, in the world, right? God's put it there. And so we need to search for the one place where we can find meaning and purpose that actually lasts in the midst of a pandemic, when everything is taken away. And that only comes from the God who created all of this. The sun, the trees, the grass, the wind. And who created you with meaning and purpose. In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes this beautiful passage. Many of you have heard it. You've heard part of it at a funeral, it's typically. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. And always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that in the Lord, your labor is never in vain. Never meaningless. Never purposeless. In the Lord. In and through Christ, nothing you do is meaningless or purposeless. Apart from Him, if you reject Christ, reject God, it's all meaningless. But in Christ, there's meaning and purpose. And Paul says that's all based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because when Christ lived and died and rose again, he did that so that we could be cleansed from our sins. We could put our faith and trust in him and be cleansed from our sins. We no longer have to work for our salvation. You don't have to try to earn it through your job. You don't have to try to earn it by gaining the applause of people. You don't have to earn any of that. You have salvation. You don't have to work for it. You have it by faith. And that frees you up now to live and work for Him. A great and glorious and gracious God. And it says in Colossians, Whatever you do now, work at it with all your heart, as if you're working for the Lord. Not for a human boss, that says master, but you know, not for a human boss, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, because it's the Lord Christ that you're serving. So now, in Christ, we live, and everything we do becomes about serving Him. And, and He's a good master. His yoke is easy, and His burden is light. And we know, says in Colossians, we know that there's an inheritance waiting for us in heaven. Because Christ died, and ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God, and He's there for eternity. And we have a reward there waiting for us. And let me tell you, no virus can touch it. Nothing on earth can touch it. 
And so in Christ, we work hard, but we don't work hard trying to earn a reputation or trying to earn all these earthly rewards. We work hard because we love our Savior. We work hard trusting in Him and trusting and knowing that He has a reward for us that can never, ever be taken away. Apart from Christ, you're forced to cry out, just like the author of Ecclesiastes. Apart from Him, you have to cry out, meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors which they toil under the sun? But in Christ, through His forgiveness and through the freedom that He gives us, you're actually freed to cry out, meaning purpose. Everything has meaning. Every aspect of my life has purpose because now I'm toiling and working in Christ and for Him and He has a reward for me one day in heaven. Let's come to God in prayer. Father, we thank You for the way that You serve and protect us. We thank You that You don't allow us to live and go through life without meaning or purpose but you come in and infuse everything with meaning and purpose. Father, help us to to get rid of the idols in our lives, to joyfully rid ourselves of all the idols in our lives, all the things in which we find comfort and hope and joy apart from you, and rest in you more fully, Lord, and look forward to, to the reward that you have for us here on earth, but also in heaven. Father, help us to truly see the meaning and purpose that you've given us in this world. And help us to work with all of our heart, trusting in you. And all God's people said, Amen.